Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I give you my peace. And we can know that is true, especially the first part, okay? In this world you will have trouble. It is inevitable that trouble will come to your door. Trouble comes to your door in many different ways. Trouble comes to the door because we did something dumb. It happens. Am I right? No, you guys are good. You never do anything dumb? All right, well, I guess I'm in my own company there. Trouble can come to our way in many different, many different avenues, health crisis, whether it's yours or a family member that you love. Trouble comes to our way when we hear something we don't know how to process, and we have that gnawing feeling of, of we need to do something, but we don't know what to do. Trouble comes in many ways, but Jesus said that he will give us, he will give us peace, his peace. And I want, you to, I want you to think about it this way. I'm going to make, we've been studying the I am statements, okay? Who Jesus says, this is who I am. I am God. I am that I am. I am saying, I am, I am. And here's who I am. I am the light of the world. I am the bread. I am this, okay? And then we talked last week. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he raised Lazarus up from the grave. This is seen by eyewitnesses. And that is what we have seen. And today, I want you to know something. Jesus is going to give us peace, through who he is, through a very controversial statement this week. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this controversial statement is a pathway to peace for us. So, if you will, turn your Bible to John chapter 14, verse 1. Actually, let's back up a little bit. We're going to be in John chapter 13 first, verse 36 to start us. Everybody with me? Are you awake out there? Everybody good? All right, it's good to be with you this morning. And I want, I want you to see this here. We, we ended in chapter 11, which was an amazing thing. In fact, it was one of the biggest signs that, that Jesus would do in John's Gospels. The seventh sign, he kept showing who he was, and he presented that to people. And what happened was there was a man named Lazarus who was Jesus' friend. And if you remember this, he died. And Jesus said, this illness is not going to end in death, but he died. And so everybody was like, Jesus, if you had been here... He wouldn't have died. And he said, I have done this so you could see the glory of God. And so Jesus goes up, and he gets emotional, so he's with us in our pain. And he comes up, and he says, I'm the resurrection and life. If you believe in me, you won't see death. Even though if you die, you will live. And so what we see is Jesus backing up what he says. And in a way, only Jesus could. He stands at the grave, and he says, Lazarus, get up! And a dead man, and the Bible is very clear to talk about this, a dead man breathes again. And this wasn't done in secret. This was done with a mass of witnesses. And do you know what the Pharisees and the people who saw it did? Some, many believed, but some hated. In fact, if you go to John chapter 12, we were in John 11, talks about the I am the resurrection and the life. John chapter 12, the Pharisees and everybody's like, there's too many people believing in Jesus. Let's kill Lazarus so that he won't be able to testify about this. They want to kill the guy who was dead. Like, it didn't take, death didn't take the first time with him, okay? We'll do it again. Like, Jesus couldn't do it again. And then let's kill him so he'll stop believing in Jesus. And so the situation escalates. And in John chapter 13, Jesus is drawing near to the time when he's going to go to the cross. In John chapter 13, he's in the upper room. He, tri- he has a triumphal entry. He's riding on a donkey. And it's kind of funny. Usually conquering kings come in, and he's being hailed as the Messiah. Usually they'd come in on a big a big horse, a lot of armor. <laughs> he comes in riding a little donkey. <laughs> it's like it's like going, riding a moped in a biker gang. <laughs> okay, it's like everybody's got the hogs, and you're over there. Got a Vespa. Okay, and he rolls up in this joint on a donkey, 
And they're, okay, and they still saying Hosanna, and he goes in the upper room with his disciples, and he washes their feet, which is in and of itself is quite the, hum- is the humbling task, because that was usually the low man on the totem pole did that, but the leader comes, and he washes his disciples' feet, and then he declares some really scary stuff, and he says, one of you is going to betray me. And everybody's like, me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's Judas, we know that. And then he talks about him going to the cross. Going to be killed. They're going to take me. And they can't handle this. And so we pick up in John 13, verse 36. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Because he says, I'm going away. He said, Where are you going? Jesus answered him, Where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterwards. Now, he's saying, I'm going to the cross to die and then go to heaven. There's two ways that Peter follows him. In church history, Peter follows because he's crucified too. He died. That's how he dies. And church history tells us he was crucified upside down because he refused to be crucified right side up because that's the way Jesus died. And he, was, he said, I'm not worthy to die like my Savior. So he's crucified that way. So in two ways, Peter follows. Number one, he follows him in crucifixion. And secondly, he follows him because he has a place for G- Jesus has made a place for him and he's going to be with Jesus. And so he says that, and we go on. Verse 30, or let's see, verse 37. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I why can I not follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. And we know he's ready to do that, because if we fast forward a little bit and he's in the garden and they come to get him, what does Peter grab? He grabs a sword and he said, Let's go, homie. Don't take my Jesus. I'm gonna cut your ear off. And so here's what Jesus does. He whacks here's Peter whacks the guy's ear off. He wasn't going for his ear. That makes sense, right? I'm gonna stop you. I don't want to really harm you. I'm going to just take an ear off. He was going for the neck. He's just a fisherman, and he's not a soldier, so he misses because he's not good at it. He's good at putting his foot in his mouth and catching fish is what he's good at. And so he misses there. And we get to this point. Why, why can't I follow you? I'll lay down my life for you. No, we know that's true. And we get on verse 38, and Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. And we do know this. And we, Peter was ready to take up the sword. And then after Jesus is tried and is being crucified, what happens? He denies Jesus three times. So then we switch to this statement. So in the midst of all this trouble, Jesus said, I'm going here. They're very confused. Jesus comes in with this statement. He says in verse 14, let not your hearts be troubled. <laughs> That's really hard to do. They've been following this guy. They've put all their hopes in him. They've seen him as the Messiah. They've seen him raise the dead. They've seen him multiply the loaves. They've, seen these, they've heard these statements, I am the bread of light. I am the light of the world. He's basically saying, I am God. Me and the Father are one. He's saying all these things, and he is proving himself time and time again to be God in the flesh, to be the Messiah. And, and then he says, I'm going away, and they don't get it. What? And their hearts are troubled by this. And Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't, don't be so put down. Don't let fear overcome you. Don't, don't, be, don't be down in the mouth. Don't be overcome by this trouble that is coming your way. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. That's an imperative. That's a command. Then he says, believe in God. Or actually, if we would translate it real literally, believe into God. And also believe into me which we talked about last week, to be in Christ is this, is to be united with him by faith, that we, are, we enter into the resurrection and the life when we believe in him. So when we see this, he says, listen, believe into me. 
put all your hope in who I am, and you will be part one with me, just like I am one with the Father. He would talk about last week in verse in chapter eleven. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And then he's going to tell us why. He's going to give us some reasoning why you should not, your heart shouldn't be troubled. So here's this thing. This, there's a, this is a controversial statement we talked about, that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the only way to God, okay? And you would think that it wouldn't be the controversial statements that would bring peace. But Jesus is saying here, don't let your hearts be troubled by this news of what's going to happen to me, but you believe in God and believe in me because i got a plan for you. I just hope you hear that today, that there is a plan for you, that the Lord Jesus has a plan, that this is not, it's all happening according to plan, like the whole world. It's It's not flying off its axis. The Lord Jesus and his redemption is being accomplished. And he's, saying, he's speaking these truths here. In verse 2, it says, In my Father's house there are many rooms. So here's why. Don't be troubled. Believe in God. Believe, in, believe also in me. And here's what I'm telling you. If you believe me, you're going to listen to what I say. In verse 2, it says this, In my Father's house there are many rooms. Many of you have maybe have brought up with the King James Version, and it says many mansions, okay? And it has sparked this whole idea of heaven being like lifestyles of the rich and famous, or for those of you who are not that old, like MTV Cribs, or for those of you who are living now, like HGTV, which is like how many fights have been caused by HGTV? Do you see what they did? They just took... First off, everyone thinks that they could offer somebody like half of what they, they are because they see it on the, that. Like, well, this house is going on the market for $275,000. We're going to offer them a, a hard $100,000. they are going to take this, and then we're going to put $200,000 into this thing. What are your jobs? Oh, um, <laughs> I weave baskets, and he sells tacos. We can afford a $300,000 house. What? <laughs> And we're moving to Belgium, okay? We like a house right in the middle of Belgium. You can tell I watched a lot of this. And so we think about it when we think of mansions. We think of like, oh, man, how great is this? We're going to have a big house in heaven. I would, I would tempt you to try to find that idea in the Bible. That's just a, that's just a translation of a, a, the, 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 the KJV translation. is a old, That's an old word it uses to translate here. And what it really means is there, in my father's house there are many rooms. The goal of heaven is to not set you up with a spiritual Bentley or a spiritual pad, if you will. The goal is to be with God. And that's what he's getting at. You may have, many of you, if you have grew up with, the, with, the, with Christian music as a young child, you may remember the song by Audio Adrenaline that it's a big, big house with lots and lots of rooms. It gets one part of that right. It is a big, big house with lots and lots of room. Most everything else in that is not good, okay? Like Jesus is playing football with you. That's weird. You know, he's all-time QB. <laughs> Completion percentage is 100, you know. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not a great song. But that's the idea here is that it's this, I'm, I'm going. In verse 2, in my Father's house there are many rooms. It's not about mansions. It's about being with God. And he says, if my, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I, that if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And 
there's, it's begging a response. The response is, obviously, Jesus has been, he has cared for these guys, and he has loved these guys, and he's shown it time and time again. Even in rebuking these guys, he is trying to get them to understand truth. And he says, would I tell you I'm going to prepare a place if I wasn't going to do it? You trust me. You know me. You've seen my power. I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house, there's many, many rooms. Verse 3, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will take you to myself, and where I am, you may be also. Jesus is going. On the cross, he is going to the Father. He is making a way, preparing a place for all who would believe in him in heaven. And it's not just this ethereal, rewarded, giant mansion where you, where, where, that's not what he's talking about. He is making a place for us to dwell with God forever. And he is the way to do this. And he says, I'm gonna, if I, don't, I have to go do this and I'll come back, you have to trust. Trust me. I, I'm not steered you wrong. This is coming. You don't understand it, but you need to trust me here. I hope you hear that. I hope you hear that really clear. Faith is not the absence of confusion. It's not. Because these guys are confused regularly, which speaks again to the, tr- to the truth of the Bible. Because these guys who are completely, confu- completely confused are going to be the fathers of the church. They're going to be the ones that take the gospel everywhere. They're not painted as like these super spiritual guys. They're constantly painted as doubting, confused, and putting their foot, feet in their mouth all the time. In fact, the one who's going to preach the big sermon in the book of Acts is Peter, who is going to deny Jesus. He's, he's missing with swords and cutting ears. He's saying, I'll never leave you. And then two minutes later, he's denying Christ. These are not, this is not the way that you would, if you weren't telling the truth, this is not the way you would, you would frame it. It's the truth. And these guys are going, over, oh, I don't get this. And so here's the thing. He's saying, trust me. You might be confused. You might not know. Faith is not the absence of confusion or even the absence of doubt. Faith is saying, in the face of my doubt, I know Jesus is true. I know he's right. I know even though everything else is telling me something different, I've, I've, seen these, I've heard these eyewitness accounts. He, he raised someone, and he is raised. Therefore, I will be raised if I'm in him. What he says is true. Therefore, these other things, the way I feel and the other voices I'm hearing, even though I maybe am inclined to believe those things, I know this to be true. I'd go back to this. We had to take my son. He had a fever for like eight eight days, nine days, and you want to freak a parent out, just let that happen, you know, and it just seemed like it got worse and worse, and so Sunday after I preached, I took him, and we ran him back to the to the, the doctor, and when a kid's feeling bad, and you take him to the doctor anyway, that's not fun, and then the doctor's like, well, we need to do another um, another uh, strep test, and he goes, looks at me, he's like, is that the giant Q-tip, and I'm like, yeah, he's like, no, 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 I mean, he was like, he lost his junk, okay? And he's going to love this sermon when he gets older and he maybe finds it in dad's archives, okay? He's like, thanks, dad, appreciate that. He was like, no, and he's like swinging at the doctor. He's like, you don't swing at the doctor, son. Lock it open! And so we had to hold him down and his arms are flailing and he opened his mouth. He's like, ah, and he tried to, you know, they're trying to poke it in his mouth and he's doing the, huh. no, like, re- no, nonviolent resistance. And then he gets that in there, ah, and then he comes out. Now, why would we do, and then they had, then they bring in, the, they said, that was negative, let's bring in the blood test. And you know they do, they prick their fingers. And it was like we were, it was like we were gutting a hog, okay? It was like, <laughs> we're going to have to make some audio adjustments for this to be online. So Robert's all over that. And his blood, you know, he's bleeding, and he thought he was like we were killing him, like we were removing an organ. 
Why would we do that? For greater, for something greater, for his overall health and well-being. You see, that's that is what God, that's what God does. He's He's a father. He's a good father. And he's seen ultimately and completely clearly in Christ. And that's what we see here. He's he's moving his disciples. It's not faith is not the absence of those of, of, of doubt and fear or even pain. It's trusting him in those moments that he knows what and he's given us reasons to trust him. Just like ultimately we were able to calm Judson down in the situation. Do you know why? Because he trusts us. We haven't been perfect parents. But he knows we can trust him. But God is perfect parent. We can know we can trust him. And so it's not that absence. So what happens is, is if we see here in verse 14, and, and you know where I'm going. And Thomas said to them, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Thomas is confused. Okay, you're going away. You're the Messiah that we've seen all these things. How is this? I don't know how this whole deal works. Thomas says what we're what many people were thinking probably in the room. He's that he's one of those guys. He's kind of he's kind of cynical at, at points, and he, he can doubt a little bit. And he goes, "Okay, let's just break it down. I don't know what you're talking about. Where where are you going? How do we get there?" And so what Jesus says, Thomas said, "Lord, we don't know where you are going." How can we know the way? And then Jesus responds with these words in verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. If I'm going to prepare a place for you, here's what you need to believe. If I'm going to go prepare a place for you, obviously I'm going to come back. Why would I go prepare a place if I wasn't coming back for you and I wasn't going to take you to myself? Lord, we don't know. I'm confused. How do we know the way? And Jesus said to them, and this is where, this is, remember he said, in this world you have trouble, I'll give you my peace. They're experiencing trouble. Here's the peace of God. The peace of God is going to come in this statement here, this I am statement. I am the way, the truth, and the life which means Jesus is making an exclusive claim here. No one comes to the Father except by me. And so it is rooted in the very essence of Christianity that Christ, Jesus, is the only way to salvation, to know God, to know peace, and to have an ultimate relationship with God. I'd like to walk you through this real quick. This is very controversial in our day and age. My, my son likes to play this game. And he like, it's, called, it's called Would You Rather. Okay? And he's probably learned it off of YouTube. I don't know where he learned it. But he plays it in a very interesting way. He says, would you rather have chicken or pizza? Chicken nuggets or pizza? And, and, and you'll say, well, I'd rather have chicken nuggets. He'll go, ah, wrong. And I said, oh, how very religious of you, son. Because, uh, first off, people buck against being, buck against exclusive statements. Okay? First off. And some, and the church has been guilty of making some things to be exclusive statements that are just opinions. And that has hurt a lot of people. And it's dangerous. Because you're adding to the Word of God. 
it's just as dangerous to add to the Word of God as it is to take away from the Word of God. Let me just tell you that's the truth. So if, and then you, you've seen it. I've seen it. Well, I ain't doing the right type of music. That's wrong. You ever heard those beats they got? It's tribal. Meant to inflame the senses. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? And then they go listen to uh, you know another concert. It's like doom, doom, doom. They're like, yeah, all that stuff. It's louder than this. What is your problem? You just don't wear that when you come into church. Oh, yeah? Yeah? Jesus wore sandals everywhere. I mean, he couldn't come into your church, huh? Hmm. Gee, you shouldn't be hanging out with people like that. Oh, again, Jesus couldn't come in the church because he's hanging out with the, the, the tax collectors and the sinners. Hmm. And we add other things. And we kind of, sometimes it's reverse. And we can do it. Well, they're, obviously, they don't know much about God if they're coming in here looking all, they're trying to dress their best right now. I got their suit and their tie on. They obviously don't get what we get, that God takes you as you are. We just like to, we like to add to things, and we like to make our opinions black and white. I want you to know this. That is just as dangerous as taking away from the Word of God and saying this isn't sin, and that's not sin. Legalism is just as dangerous as, as forsaking God's law. And so what we've had, sorry. What has happened, there you go, what has happened in our churches is that so many people, they, they have not heard the gospel because all they hear is, dress better, come in, don't make a scene, take that ball cap off, boy. How dare you have this problem? And what they have come away with was that is Christianity is just moralism. It's just another way to tell you what you're doing is wrong. Do a God who is telling you what's best for you. And yes, he does tell you some things are wrong because you're sinful in nature. And he says some hard things to you, but he offers the way, the truth, and life. He offers new life. And so what has happened is, is we have made the gospel more difficult to believe than it actually is. It's already difficult. Okay? It's impossible. We've added all these extra layers to it. And so when people hear the exclusivity of Christ, sometimes they hear the exclusivity of our church and our hangups, whether it's clothing or music or whatever. And that is not the point. The point here is that Jesus is the only way to God. He makes that very clear. And we must be clear not to add offense to the gospel. The gospel is offensive. We can't add offense by adding our extra rules because this in and of itself is hard to believe. We must trust in Jesus as the exclusive Savior. No other way because he said that. And in doing that, we are, we are telling other people, and here's our message. We're calling people to trust Christ, which means this is an inclusive invitation to an exclusive Savior. Let me say that again. The call of Christianity, call to trust Christ, is an exclusive invitation to an exclusive Savior. What does that mean? The Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's an invitation that goes out to everyone, no matter your race, religion, no matter where you were born, no matter what you look like. The call of the gospel is come to Christ. 
Anyone can be saved by Christ. I was born in a devoutly Muslim home. I can't do that. Yes, you can come. But I, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the sin. You don't know about the abortion. You don't know about this. You can come. He paid the price. The call is to everyone, to the checkout girl at Piggly Wiggly, down to the guy at Subway, down to wherever you go, down to the har- most hardened sinner, down to the drug addict under the bridge, down to all points in between, to the richest guy in the richest penthouse, in the richest country, in the richest state, in the richest city. The gospel is a call for everyone to repent and believe in Jesus' the only way it's a, it's it's for everyone but it says to everyone there is only one way and it's jesus and he says i am the way i am the truth and i am the life and no one comes to the father except by me so looking at that statement just want to make this very clear as the way jesus is the only way to god and we know it's faith it's not working it's the finished work of jesus and trusting the finished work of jesus is the only way to god there is no other way it's only express faith in jesus secondly we see this as jesus as the truth as the way the truth and life as the whatever jesus says is reality so we can trust it he's saying i've told you the truth and i've shown you the truth how has he shown us the truth he's shown us the truth he's told it because he preached he's shown it by his science and he's shown it ultimately by the resurrection you can take what jesus says to the bank and there are many who might say today and look at the bible and say well how do we know we have it recorded correctly and i'll just be very blunt the Bible has more historical attestation, uh, has more historical evidence for the validity of the Bible than any other modern book or ancient book of any time, anywhere, by an exponential degree. There's more manuscripts of the Bible, of the Old Testament and the New Testament, and those vary very little than any other work. They think the works of Shakespeare are as they are. They don't have a, even a fraction of as much evidence for the, for the works of Shakespeare as we do for the New Testament writings. Also, these are eyewitness accounts which could be refuted by finding this. Get Lazarus. Is he alive? Did all these people see him come out of the grave? How long was he dead? Maybe he just was, like, tired and he laid in there for a while. Four days. He's super dead. If that's even a category. We go on this. Well, how do you know, how do you know Jesus is raised? Well, they put Roman guards in front of that that tomb you don't mess with the romans especially at that point in history they were bad dudes there's so much evidence for the historical resurrection of jesus and there's so much evidence for his word and he's the truth and so what he says is true even if what we feel is different as the way jesus is the only way to god as the truth jesus whatever jesus says is reality and as the life Jesus is the only way to eternal life with God because what's he doing? He's going to prepare a place for us with our Father that we might be with him forever. Jesus is unique. We must, you must have exclusive trust in Jesus as Savior. No other way. And I want to give you two reasons. There's many reasons why Jesus can be the only way. This is not popular, but this is why I said this is a controversial truth that will bring you peace. Okay? It ends all the searching. One of my favorite bands is, is, is U2. I don't know if you've ever heard of that band. I got to see them in Louisville, Kentucky. It was pretty awesome. I got really good seats, and I didn't even know I had bought really good seats. I bought the tickets like a year in advance, and we showed up, and I was like, oh, we can actually, they're not little ants. We can see them. It's awesome. They have this song 
that they call a gospel song. They're wrong. It's not a gospel song. The song says, and I still haven't found what I'm looking for. You heard that before? Okay, it's got this song. He's talking about, you know, it, I believe in kingdom come. He's talking about Christ and somebody he still hasn't found what he's looking for. He hasn't found it. Because he is exclusively truth. And that's where we can, when we come to him, it ends all of our striving after other things in, in, in a sense. It doesn't mean we won't have pockets of doubt. It doesn't mean we won't have areas where we fall back into sin. That's not it. He's making us more like him. But we will know this, that every answer is in Christ, even if we can't see them now. And he's shown us again and again and again. This is not based on, man, we really hope this works out. He's given evidence. The, the, the gospels are evidence in the book of Acts, it's evidence that what Jesus said is true because these people are giving their lives, they're sacrificing, they're loving one another. God is bringing together Jew and Gentile, people who couldn't be farther on the religious spectrum coming together, and now they're worshiping as one group, and they have all these different people. The Ethiopian eunuch, which we see in Acts, he is from a different country, and he's coming to worship in Jerusalem, and he comes, and he believes, and so you have this, this God, is, God is bringing people from all nations, tribes, and tongues, and he's bringing them in to believe in Christ, and so it's evidence that Jesus is who he says. Jesus is is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the one in which we have all the answers. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't struggle and that we won't have doubt or confusion, but it does mean that we just say, I, I don't get it, but I believe he rose, and if I'm in him, I'll, ra I'll be raised. And I believe this. He told people the truth, and he showed the truth because what he said happened would happen. And I believe he's the life. Because he speaks to my deadness, and he made it come to life. He is the way. And I want to give you a couple reasons, particularly why Jesus has to be the only way. See this, and first off, if you go back up and you look at the context of what we're talking about, look in verse 36 of chapter 13, verse 36. Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you can't follow me but you will follow afterwards. And what is he talking about? The cross. And go back in chapter 12, he says that when the Son of Man is lifted up, and he's talking about being lifted up on the cross, when the Son of Man is lifted up, he'll draw all men unto himself. Okay? And so we have this situation in this. Jesus is talking about the cross. And I'm so glad that Clint picked this song, My Victory, this week, because it's the cross meant to kill is my victory. That's so weird. I was talking to the students about this, um, our, our youth, on Wednesday night, and I was talking to them about the cross, and we walked through the crucifixion. And if you think about it, it is so very strange that the cross is at the center of our faith, and we display it everywhere, because it's become so it's become so neutered in our, in, our, in our culture. And here's the deal. People wear it around their neck. There's nothing wrong with that, but now we just think of it as a sweet piece of jewelry. Or you get one of those bracelets from, from you know, like one of those little charm bracelets that some ladies like to wear, okay? I don't get it, but y'all like it, so I'm, all, I'm down, okay? And they got little danglies hanging everywhere, and you can pick whatever dangly you like, and I'm sure that's not what they're called, but you pick them out, and they got different things like teddy bears or your favorite team or whatever, and so, and your husband <laughs> defaults to, once he knows you like that, you're like, okay, birthday coming up. Let me see which one she's got. I'll go buy some more of the little dangly things. It's going to be awesome. You think about it. 
The most heinous form of execution ever devised by men is the center of our faith. You imagine this anniversary shows up. July the 10th, I had to make sure I had that right. I got married to my wife. It was awesome. We've been married 13 years, going on 14. And imagine if I just I said, babe, I got a gift for you. Got the candles lit. Barry White in the background. Ooh, baby. Okay. I don't know why I picked Barry White. We don't even listen to him. Okay. Popped this thing open. I said, I got something for you. Jewelry. And I got her this wonderful gold guillotine. And the French use it to decapitate their enemies. And I just want you to have this and to just remember me when you think of beheadings, decapitations. It's insane, right? That's not going to go well. This is more heinous than a guillotine. People died because they suffocated on their own blood. They hung on there for, for days. The Romans did it for fear. Remember, they, they had an empire that ran from England all the way to almost China. And in a plane, it would take 8, 10, 12, even a day to get to where you're going. How can they control that much land? They did it by fear and intimidation and how they make people fear. They killed people on crosses. And these people were hung, and they stayed there for days and usually suffocated. That's how they died, because their body, their diaphragm couldn't hold the blood that was building up. And the Savior of the world, who did not, who did not deserve it, who was, who was God in the flesh, who, who, who healed the blind, who was God's light shining through, he died on this heinous cross that he did not deserve and it is his atonement. What he does is he covers sins. He pays for sins. And that is a unique thing. Why is Jesus the only way? Because he, as God in the flesh, atoned for sins on the cross. There is nothing like this in any other world religion. Judaism gets close, but it was pointing to this. Judaism, and, and the book of writer of Hebrews says this, How could the blood of sheep and lambs cover our sins? The answer, it can't. Only the one who was like us, who but perfect, the, the, the Son of Man, God in the flesh, could pay for sins. And he's the only way. No other religion has atonement at its core. All it has is appeasement at its core. And here's what I mean by that. You make a sacrifice in some way. Like maybe in Islam, you make the sacrifice of, of doing all the seven pillar, pillars of going and making your trip towards Mecca, or you make some kind of sacrifice in some of the animistic religions or even Hinduism. You make some kind of sacrifice, whether that's of an animal or of food or of wine, or even sometimes in, in, in times past, it's been human sacrifices to appease God so he won't be angry with you, so he won't send pestilence and plagues on your place. But Christianity doesn't say that God suffered to appease God's wrath. God the Son suffered to appease God the Father's wrath so that the Spirit might apply the works of Jesus to other people that we might have forgiveness of sins. This is unique, folks. This is the gospel. There is nothing like it. Islam fails. Hinduism fails. Buddhism fails. All of it fails. You know why? Because we know at the end, we can't cover our sins by good works. Our sins have to be paid for, and Jesus is a sacrifice. That's why there's no other way but Jesus. Only he atoned for our sins. Only he could atone for our sins because he was, he was 100% human and 100% God. In every, in every way that we failed, he succeeded. He obeyed God in everything, and we failed God in almost everything, if we're honest. 
Because even if we do something right, a lot of times we're wrong in our hearts for doing it. He succeeded. He atoned. He went to the cross and he's raised. Not only that, he is the direct representation of Jesus, or of God the Father. He has made God the Father known. as He is one with the Father, and he is also distinct from the Father. That's how we understand the Trinity. Remember, it's like looking at a duckbill platypus, okay? And like, we don't get it. We just describe what's there, and that's what we do in the Bible. We don't 100% get it, but that's who God is. Obviously, God the Father is God. Obviously, God the Son is God. Look what he's doing. Obviously, the Holy Spirit is God. And we also know they're distinct in persons because they're communicating with each other. We don't get it 100%, but it, it works, and it's God, God's economy. And we're just staring at this beautiful craziness, and we're just saying, that's true. It has to be. And then looking at it, we see in verse 7, if you had known me, which these disciples, even though confused, they know him. If you had known me, you would know my Father also. So to know Jesus is to know the Father. He and the Father are one. So to look at Christ is to see God the Father and to be connected with him. He accurately represents God. Not only that, from now on, from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. To look at Jesus is to see the face of the Father. And Jesus is the only way to make the Father known. That's why he's the only way. If you look at the formation of deity or the understanding of deity across the world religions, you see only pictures. You see, you see, you see God, people making God in their own image a lot of the time. Take nothing more than going into to the Greek and Roman mythology. That's people and people problems. It's like Jerry Springer in the God realm. Everybody, all the gods are sleeping with each other, and they're angry with each other, and they're killing each other. It's all a big mess. So what they've done is they've created God in their own image, which is pretty much what the American culture has done. We just like whatever parts of God we like, and we like to connect this you know, Eastern mysticism with this part, and we like the love. We like the loving God because we're into the hippie culture of being loving, but we don't like the wrath of God, justice of God. That's obviously antiquated. So we just kind of pick and choose our own God. That is, you see in Islam, for example, you see that God is only transcendent. He's high, he's lifted up, he's almost unknowable, and he, you know him through this prophet, but he is not imminent like the God of the Bible is. What I mean by imminent is the God of Islam is high and lifted up. The God of the Scriptures is definitely high and lifted up, but he's, came, he's come close in Christ. And you also see this in the Old Testament, he comes close to his people. You want to you know how? Remember the burning bush? He comes close. And it's funny, it's the angel of the Lord in the burning bush, but he's speaking as the Lord. We might have a pre-incarnate Jesus there. Because, you know, Jesus always existed. Jesus directly makes God known. God is holy and will punish sin and has wrath. But God is also a God of love and mercy. And all of this comes together and meets at the most heinous and beautiful place at the cross. And only Jesus makes the Father known. Every other religion and belief system fails. You're just grasping at straws and choosing your own deity. And the beautiful picture of Jesus is 
is he's the way, the truth, and the life. He is God incarnate. He makes the Father known. He alone can atone for your sins. He, you're, not, you're no longer trying to cover it over. He atones for it. He is the way. And here's the good news. He's an exclusive Savior, and you are included by faith. If you trust him, you have a home that is permanent. You have a place we can rejoice that we have. He went, and he prepared a place, and he will come again, and our home is secure. This world is not our ultimate resting place. It was a sad day in one respect because somebody in the image of God died, but for the world, there was a man, you've probably heard of him, named Hugh Hefner that died this week. Hugh Hefner is the epitome of someone who lived for this world. He had everything he wanted, and then some. He, had, he was dating multiple women until he died. In a big house, he had all the prestige, he had all the money, and he, he lived it up for 91 years, and then it's over. And he's going to face God for what he's done and for his life lived. And he, had, he lived it up. But 91 years goes by like that. And he was searching for a place. Listen, it's amazing how we try to, like, make our house a home and how much we transition in life in general. Like, think about this, okay? We got, you got kids in the house, right? You do everything you can to make a home for them, and then what's going to happen? Lord willing, they're going to get 18 or 19, and they're going to leave your house, and they're going to get other jobs. So you spend all this time getting the house ready. It's funny, when we got our nursery ready, when Judson was first born, we did all this stuff, and we got this nursery ready. And you know how long he stayed in there? Not very long, okay, before he's trying to jump out of the the crib and kill himself. Because they're like lemmings when they're little. They try to murder themselves. And so this cute little Judson stuff morphed into superheroes, and then eventually he's going to be like, I'm not, I'm not down with that, and it's probably going to be, you know, who knows what a teenager is going to be into in, you know, eight years. Eight years till he's a teenager. But we just got to get, we got to get to our forever home, and da 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 You are never going to be at your forever home here because this isn't forever. It's change and transition. Always. But because Jesus is true and because he's shown himself to be true and he's shown himself to be God by his resurrection, by so many things, we can bank on this. Whatever he says is true. And he said this, if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come back and get you. And we have a place in heaven, not just in heaven, but in the new heavens and the new earth when he restores everything. We have a place with him that stands secure. I just don't feel at home here. Good, because you're not at home here. Weird. The Bible talks about us as pilgrims passing through. But here's the good news. You have a place. You have a, a firm place. This is not ethereal, Looney Tunes-type heaven where you're sitting on a cloud, strumming a harp, okay? This is a sure place that Jesus has fixed for his people. He set up a room for you. You got a room in heaven. You got a room in the new heavens and the new earth. You're going to be with God, and you got it. It's got your name on the door because he knows your name, and he died for you, and, and you, your name is there. If you are outside of him, it's not true. You got a place reserved somewhere else in a place of terror, in a place of punishment, and it, you deserve it. 
We all deserve it apart from him, but in his grace, he lavishes us and he makes a place for us. We got our name on the door. That's where we know we can go. It's like it's we walk into our father's house. It's like when you were in college and you walked into your parents' house and you're like, they have food here. I know I'm home. The sheets have been washed in this millennia. I can come home. I'm not sleeping on a bare mattress anymore like I did because I'm a weirdo in college. When I got home, my name was on the door. I was home. I throw my, throw my bags down, hit the fridge, hit the couch. I was home. Put my feet up, turn the TV on. It's my, I was home. And you get this. In Christ, you're not home here. Your home is secure for you. And it's with Jesus. It's with the Father. It's with the Spirit. It's with the God three in one. So anything here is just temporary. My grandmother, they called in hospice on her this week. And I just, I'm preaching the funeral, which I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. We're going to find out. And one of the reasons I want to do it is because I want to talk about this, that she will be raised. She's home. What she leaves. She's home. I mean, that's amazing. That's, he's the way. There's no other way. There's no other way. You're insane if you think there's another way. You're insane if you think you're going to be good enough. You're insane if you could think another way could be. There's a God who atoned for your sins. You didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. But he came. He's the way. There's no other way. All other religions lead to hell. All other religions don't lead you to God. They lead you away from him. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by him. And so why would you tarry? Why would you wait? Why wouldn't you run, scream, and get your roadrunner on, run through walls if you got to, to come to him? And here today, if you hear his voice, listen. Peace and trouble. In this world, there will be trouble. But he will give you his peace because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, if I go prepare a place for you, I'll come back. You can take that to the bank. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by him. Two calls this morning, two ways to move, and here's the two ways. Number one, if you are not in Christ, you run to him by faith. You come begging and pleading, and he won't cast you out. Turn from your sin and trust him. You're confused? Come get clarity. Come talk to an elder. Believe. Trust him. Repent of your sins and trust Christ. And we'd love to talk to you about what that means if you're in that position. At the end of the service, the elders will be down here, myself included. We'd love to talk to you about that. Secondly, if you are in Christ, we're going to pass out. Amy, if you come on up. And we're going to pass out communion here in just a second. And she plays, I want us to just take a big rest. You know what I mean? There's no striving. You don't have to be better. You don't have to perform. You just need to trust the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah, he'll lead you towards righteousness. Yes, he will. Yes, he'll call you to, call you to difficult things. But ultimately, I want you to just rest in him because that's where our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness.
Just take a load off. Take a deep breath. Give it to him, whatever your, whatever your burden. Give it to him and rest. You got a place in heaven. You got a father who hears. Just take a rest. Invite the deacons forward. And if you would, pass out communion and we'll take it together in a minute. But as we do this, and Amy plays, child of God, rest that you have, your name is written in heaven and you got a room. the night that the way, the truth, and the life was with his disciples in the upper room. He took bread, and when he broke it, he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. In like manner, he took the cup, and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Take and drink. As often as we do this, we declare his death until he comes. Pray with me. Father, Thank you. Jesus, thank you. Spirit, thank you. God, three in one, thank you. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Bring many sons and daughters to yourself as the only way. And help us to proclaim that all call. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved and call people to an exclusive Savior. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would stand, I'm going to speak the word of truth over you. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Go in that truth. Live in that truth. You are accepted and you know the way to God. And you have in your very lips and mouth and heart the words of God that can lead others. Walk in that grace and peace. You're dismissed.